0: book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I felt like the Lord worked out the timing of this message um, as, as your pastor, as I listen and observe um, you and those who are in our church coming and going and, and what you share with me. I have several of you that I'm in Bible study with Several of you are with Pastor Bill, and we talk as well together on what's going on in your hearts and minds, and uh, I believe the Lord would have this for us tonight. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16, that's going to be really um, the passage we're going to ask the Lord to expose to us tonight, but there's, there's some background. I've entitled this sermon, the sermon, The Disciple Who Would Be More, Who Would Be More. I would... I think I would probably be wrong if I said that there was somebody in this room that's not a disciple. I would think probably everybody in here is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Of course, only you know that and God, but I I believe that's who I'm talking to tonight. But among disciples, and it's a good chance actually you're in this group as well, there are some who desire to be more than somebody that's just attending church. There's some that desire to be more than just the person that is names himself a Baptist or whatever you name yourself, a Christian, a Bible believer. There are some that would say, I want to be more than just filling a position here. Where I'm at, I, I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to be closer to God. I want to know more of His Word. I want to dedicate more time to His service. Tonight, this message is for you. as we step into history, we'll call it church history, but don't, don't put on the snooze alert when you hear the word church. This is one of the most exciting times in history as we step into the book of Acts. It has not been too many years that Jesus has now laid down his life as the sinless and spotless lamb of God for the sins of you and I and, and every sinner, past, present, and future. So he's taken the wrath of God and our hell upon himself He laid his life willingly on that cross. Three days later, picked his life back up, resurrected himself from the grave. Went around for 40 plus days on this earth at that time, letting people see that he was actually alive, spending some time with his followers and his disciples specifically, giving them last words and giving them that that great commission and sending them into Jerusalem to wait until the Holy Spirit would come. Because he said, it's actually good that I'm leaving because now I can send the Comforter. I can send the Holy Spirit. And he is going to help you so much. He's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to fill you and empower you. And he has done just that. And it's a wonderful time that we live in. We would call it maybe the church age. God didn't call it that. We did. But this time from this point that we're going to talk about tonight till present day when the church has been born like we just sang about. The gospel flame was lit there in Jerusalem. And the message of Jesus Christ, who He was, began to spread throughout the world. And it was a wonderful time. It was, to say the least, a wild ride. There was 12 men that were at the beginning of it. They were leading it. There was a small group of disciples that joined them, and it grew rapidly. We come to Acts chapter. Uh, 13. And here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go pretty quick through Acts 13, 14, and 15 up to Acts 16 just to give you context. Um, I don't necessarily suggest or not suggest that you follow along, okay, because I'm going to go pretty rapidly. And forgive me as I read some of this because there's a lot of information. To bring us to the message tonight, I want you to understand where this message came out of. hasn't been too many years since the church started. On the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem, just as our Lord Jesus said it would. We come now to another Christian. His name was Paul. He was, he was saved, I don't remember the exact year, but in Acts chapter 9, I believe it was. Now we're about four or five chapters later, and historically speaking, Paul is on fire. I mean, he is full speed ahead for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same passion that he had was against the gospel. Now he has turned that around. God has pointed him in another direction. And he's taken the gospel to all the world, taking the gospel specifically to the Gentile world, which was unheard of at that time. There was segregation. You think our town struggles with segregation and racism? Nothing compared to this. Gentiles were not to be uh, communicated with, were not to be hung out with. You didn't eat meals with them. You didn't give the gospel. You didn't give them precious things, that's for sure. But God said to do it, and that's what they were doing. Paul was that leading apostle born out of due time that was doing this. And we come in the middle of the story, and I'm going to move rather rapidly, so buckle your seatbelts. I want you to get this. This was a time in Christianity when you did not have the luxury, and, and whether you think you do now or not, It's really all in our minds, but you did not have the luxury to just kind of sit around and not decide whether you wanted to be a Christian or not. Not whether you wanted to be an active Christian. You you made the decision to follow Christ, and you immediately began suffering for it. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. But when they, this is Paul, Barnabas, and company, two Christian men, two leaders, and a company of Christians, they departed from Perga. They came to Antioch in Pisidia. So here here we are, the map behind me, and maybe it'd be better to focus on that map unless you really want to follow along, and that's fine too. They come to Antioch. Antioch is the red star. This is where they start their journey. Keep in mind there's two Antiochs, okay? But the red star is Antioch. I'm sorry, did I get that backward. I did. They're at the other Antioch. Okay. And went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. After reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand said, Men of Israel, ye that fear God, give audience. So Paul and Barnabas are in a synagogue uh, in Antioch. And they go to the synagogue and there's some Jewish men in there. They're, they sit down politely. They don't take the show over. And the men begin, as they have been reading the Scripture, as they did in the synagogue, they see Paul and his company there, and they, they know that uh, there's something spiritual about them. might have been the way they're dressed, I'm not really sure about that. And they ask Paul and Barnabas, hey, do you, do you men have anything to say? And of course, that was all Paul needed. He stood up and he began to preach, preach boldly. He tells how John the Baptist had come on the scene and introduced Jesus he, even before they started way back in Egypt, I mean, this was like, oh, you want me to say something? And he starts right from the beginning to, to Christ being prophesied and coming as, as the Messiah, the whole history behind that, and how John the Baptist introduced Jesus and how at these men's hands and, and this nation's hands Jesus was crucified, but God had raised him from the dead. And then he says in, in verse 38, he says at the end of his message, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, the Jesus is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Paul gets done with his message there in Antioch, and some of the Jews left. But there were other Gentiles that wanted to stay. They wanted to hear more. So on the next Sabbath day, in anticipation, almost the entire city comes to the synagogue to hear what Paul and Barnabas would have to say. But there were unbelieving Jews, as seemed to be the case in every city. Unbelieving Jews that rose up against this message and They caused Paul and Barnabas to stand up to them and reply in verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It's necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, Jews, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Oh, that was like a slap in the face right there. That was what God told these men to do. Paul and Barnabas told him that this is the prime example of why God sent them to the Gentiles. It's because you are refusing the good news. You're refusing the truth that Jesus was the Messiah. So God is sending us to the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles, they're very glad about this. They were happy that the gospel was coming to them. They were coming to the synagogue in droves to hear the message. But again, the unbelieving Jews were rising up causing men and women of influence to persecute Paul and Barnabas. So the people kicked Paul and Barnabas out of that town, town after town after town, and so they left. The Bible says, just like they practiced in Matthew 10, they shook the dust off their feet and they moved off to another town. They would attempt to avoid, uh, these Jews would attempt to avoid even bringing Gentile dust into their cities. And this was what Jesus instructed them to do. Now Paul and Barnabas, they come to Iconium. Iconium, you see that? That's a purple star up there. They come to Iconium, and there in verse 52, it says, "...the disciples were filled with joy," chapter 13, verse 52, "...with the Holy Ghost, and in Iconium, God's word was well received. And there were many believed, until the Jews stirred things up again." They come into town, they're against the gospel, they're against these men that are sharing the truth. I mean, can you just, I mean, just imagine me for a moment, you are trying to share something that is so precious and valuable, and everywhere you go, you're being opposed. Everywhere. Not by everybody, but there's a group. Every church you go to preach in, every, every assembly you set yourself down in, there's opposition. There's people looking at you. There's people saying stuff about you. There's people... Um, hiring people and, and twisting your words and, and making you look like you're against uh, them or against the government. And everywhere you go, somebody is trying to trip you up. Somebody is trying to land you in jail. Somebody is trying to beat you up. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But he says in verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy. They were glad to do this. We move on to Acts chapter 14. It says in verse 4, that the multitude of the city was divided part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. Then there was an assault made, both of the Gentiles and of the Jews, with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, to stone Paul and Barnabas. That's to that's throw, throw rocks at somebody until they're dead. They were aware of it, Paul and Barnabas, and they left. They fled. This time they ran to Lystra and Derbe. And that was kind of by the yellow star there, Lystra and Derbe cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that, li- that uh, lieth about, where they preached the gospel. They kept on preaching. We're not going to stop. While Paul was in Lystra, he heals this crippled man. Uh, the people thought, the, the, the miracle was so amazing to them, the people thought he and Barnabas were gods. And they began to come and bow down to him, which Paul and Barnabas, of course, withstood. They were so upset that this happened, they began to, to rip their clothes, not off, but this was something they did when you showed mourning or showed that you were just against, you were ang- about what was happening. They did not want this. They made this public display. They ran into the middle of the people, barely convincing the people not to sacrifice to them and to give glory to God instead. Once again, the unbelieving Jews came in, spreading lies to the people, convincing them that they ought to stone Paul, and the people did. That's how convincing they were. They take Paul outside the city thinking that he's been stoned to death. They leave him outside the city. Paul's disciples, the ones who had kind of banded with Paul, find him and he's still alive. Acts chapter 14, verse 20. As the disciples stood round about him, Paul, he rose up, came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. That's that yellow star there. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples, all the people that they had led to the Lord. Now they go back through these cities and they're encouraging them. They're setting up what we might call discipleship time, uh, one-on-one Bible studies, uh, taking that time with them to uh, see where they're at now. How many weeks has it been since you got saved, since you came to faith in Christ? Uh, praying with them through the opposition, teaching them how they need to think about these things, reconfirming in their hearts who Jesus was. Don't forget these people did not have what we have. They did. He wasn't passing out Bibles. They weren't in existence. If he had the scriptures, it was usually read in the synagogue. So this was word of mouth. He was going from town to town to town, opposition every step of the way. And he says in verse 22 of chapter 14, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. He knew that these Christians, these new Christians, were undergoing as much opposition as he was. So he's going back through, encouraging them. Listen, this is what it's like to follow Christ. It's going to be tough. That's okay. We do it with joy because of our Savior. Paul, Barnabas, going town to town. They pass through Pisidia, Pamphylia, Perga. They come to Italia, uh, which is down there by the green star. And then they sailed to the other Antioch. So that's over to the Red Star. In Antioch, certain men came down. Opposition again. This time, they're preaching a message that, no, 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 you you can't accept Jesus Christ by faith. That's not how salvation comes to you. They said, you have to be circumcised. And this was an ancient Jewish ritual that was still very much in charge in false Jewish religion. They were teaching that. Paul and Barnabas, of course, disagreed with this. Then they come to find out this message came from Jerusalem. How can this be? The church in Jerusalem sending out false doctrine. And so they go down, they form this team, they go down to Jerusalem. We know it as the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. When Paul and Barnabas and a group of men come down and they meet with, with men that we would know. Peter, James, the writers of both of those epistles. Leaders in the Jerusalem church. And they tell them what's going on. And, and these men, Peter, uh, Pastor James and, and Peter, send this letter back. And Paul and Barnabas and Silas, they stay in Antioch for a while to help disciple the brethren. And then Paul says to Barnabas in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Paul is so good about this. He does not, he's not one of these one and done guys. Hey, I spent five minutes sharing the plan of salvation with you. And I understand I'm probably never going to see you again. He had every intention to see those converts again. And he proved that over and over again. Here he's talking to Barnabas. Hey, let's go visit our brothers in every city where we preach the word of the Lord. Let's let's go help them. Let's go encourage them. See how they do. Barnabas, of course, at that point, he wants to take John Mark. But Paul was against it. So they part company. Paul takes Silas. Barnabas takes John Mark. And they split up. Paul continues on with Silas as we come into chapter number 16. He continues through Syria and Cilicia, kind of right there at the top of the Mediterranean Sea there, confirming the churches that were grounded and healthy in the preaching of the word, the practice of the word, Meaning he's coming through there as a leader, as, as the one that led many of them to the Lord, helping them establish that church and correcting where they've gotten off or correcting, uh, maybe filling in some blanks or we don't know how to do this or we don't know what we should believe about this. And he's coming through and he is helping them. His whole life is dedicated to the souls of others. Then, Acts chapter 16, our text tonight, verse number 1. Then came he, Paul, to Derbe and Lystra. And that's right there between the yellow and purple star. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul have to go forth with him. And he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. That's the location of the first church. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So Paul, as he is in just a wild, wild ride, Fearlessly, it seems, driving through these towns, and I mean, driving on foot, (laughs) through these towns, telling everybody he can about the truth of Jesus Christ and who he was, that the Messiah has been here. He has has given his life for the sins of all mankind. He has risen from the grave, the one you crucified. Now he's going through all the world and telling others about this unrelentlessly. And he comes to a town, Derbe and Lystra, and he meets a young disciple named Timotheus. Now, I think I have this down here. In First Timothy, the letter Paul writes later to him, you don't need to turn there, it's on the screen, but it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, these are the opening words of his letter, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. So we read here a letter that is written later to this young man that he meets right here in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, and now he calls Timothy my own son in the faith. There's something about between Paul and Timothy that has gone past Acts chapter 16, as we see historically where he met him. And we see something in Timothy that really resonates with those of you who are just not satisfied with just coming to church just hitting a Sunday morning occasionally or maybe every Sunday morning Uh, you know there's just got to be more to this life than 40 hours a week and showing up at church and you would be right that that very well may be the Lord working something in your heart we see in these passages the picture of a young man that wanted to be more well how do you know he wanted to be more does he say that no because it really doesn't matter what we say It matters what we do. And here's a young man that did. His did spoke so much louder than any amount of words ever could. So why don't you walk through it with me, would you? In Acts chapter 16, as we walk through Timothy's, this is what he did. Number one, we see that Timothy was not going to be held back by family or cultural obstacles. Oh yeah, no, he wasn't born in a preacher's family. Timothy wasn't. He wasn't even born necessarily in a family where both parents even believed in God, the one true God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1:5, later on, Paul says this to him: When I call to remembrance the unfeigned or the unfailing faith that is in you, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. We find that he did have a godly grandmother. He did have a godly mother that taught him the scriptures. We don't really hear much about his dad other than that he was a Greek. He wasn't really in the picture as far as we know. And he definitely was not promoting him in spiritual ways. Some of us can identify with that in this room. Many can identify that in this world. Father, fatherhood is under severe attack. And this is one of the reasons Timothy's are not common. Timothy shines even brighter because who he became was under opposition. It was in the middle of lack. He was not held back by that, though. He was taught from a young age the scriptures by two godly women. Okay, we don't know much about the dad. Not much is spoken about him. But he had somebody in his family that loved the Lord and was going to teach him the word of God. And Timothy responded to that. It says in Acts chapter 16, verse 1. You can just stay right there in that chapter for the rest of the time. It says, Then came he, Paul, to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek. You can almost hear the negative connotation there, right? It, It wasn't that his father was a different nationality. It's that his father was a different belief system or lack thereof. But this was not going to stop Timothy. Timothy responded to the gospel in spite of his family and in spite of his culture. So he's born, as we found out, in the town of Lystra. At least he grew up there, from what we can tell. Talked about it in Acts 14. We just talked to you. Paul was back and forth in that town, right? That was where the impotent man was healed. That's where Paul and Barnabas healed that man, and they started bowing down to him. Why did they do that? Well, because this was a town that was steeped in idolatry. They bowed down to Paul and Barnabas because they thought that's what you do. They were big-time worshipers of some false gods. A couple of them were Jupiter and Mercurius. That's why Paul and Barnabas were so upset. No, 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 we're not not deities. We're just men. We're sharing some good news with you about someone who is worthy to bow down. But that's not us. This was a town where unbelieving Jews from neighboring towns came and convinced the crowd to stone Paul. And they they thought they did kill him. They set him outside the city. The disciples in that city found him. And Paul wakes up and he leaves and goes to preach the gospel in in the city next to him, which was Derbe. This was the town that Timothy was in. Very likely Timothy saw or at least heard what was going on in this town. He was probably there for all of that. Very likely might have been saved even at one of those crusades that Paul led. Timothy was not going to let his culture, not going to let his family upbringing stop him. He was not going to let his, the town he grew up in stop him. He was not going to let the belief system that he grew up around was schooled in. The religion that he was uh, around his entire life up to that point. He had a believing grandmother and a believing mother. And he clung to the word through them. And we're grateful for that. Timothy showed us that in what he did. Number two, Timothy had already proved himself to the other saints in Lystra. Let's go to verse number two. Acts chapter 16, verse two. Timothy, which was well reported of by the brethren. Okay, so we kind of come right into it there. It says, talking about a certain disciple, his name was Timotheus. Talks about his mother and his grandmother and his father was a Greek, and then says, which was well reported of by the brethren which were at Lystra and Iconium, him would Paul have to go with him. Well, here's a young man that when you ask people about Timothy, what they said about him was good. You know, lots of young men, I I can't speak as much for for girls, for women, because I are not one, but I can speak as a young man. Lots of us young men, we, we like to tell people what to do. We like to be the boss. We like to be in charge. And we want to do it now. <laughs> Timothy wasn't waiting for a position. Okay, Timothy was already doing what was right. He was already gaining a good reputation when Paul arrived. Paul didn't arrive, and then Timmy, all this, Timmy, Timmy, <laughs> Timothy... Timothy all of a sudden saw an opportunity and said, Oh, I'm going to start being really good now. I'm going to start taking the lead now. I'm going to start sharing the gospel now so that maybe Paul will notice me. No, Paul comes and sees this young man that probably got saved the last time he was there. And now he's got a good reputation. See, he had already been serving. What we do for the Lord is not something we put on and not something we just flick on with a switch when we decide we want to do more. It is something we do, and we start to gain a reputation in, a, in the church age now. We see other people, older people, many times that are observing us and are saying to others, Hey, you know, I bet that young man, I bet he's going to go in the ministry. Hey, did you hear that, that young lady when she was talking to somebody about the Lord the other day? Did you see what they were doing? Did you hear, hear the, the worship going on in youth group? Did you see that Bible study that was, that was happening? There was things being talked about. Why? Because it was real. He was living it in front of them. And that's what Paul heard when he came through. Paul saw a young man, this guy's for real. I want him to go with me. Now why didn't he want Timothy to go with him? Did he want Timothy because I'm going to be so much better if Timothy's with me. Well, He might have seen some potential with that. But that wasn't at the root of it. The root of it was, here's a young man that's real. Here's a young man that wants to be more. And I'm going to help him do that. And Paul did. So many of us are waiting to be asked before we become on fire for God, right? We're waiting to, well, if you know, if I was a pastor, then I'd be spiritual. Or, you know, if, if somebody would just give me a position like teaching uh, life groups, or if they'd put me in charge of, or if they'd just do this or that, or then uh, then I would be this. Then I would really dedicate myself to loving the Lord. That's what they do in religion. In Christianity, we follow the Lord. And God promotes us as he sees fit. Not everybody can be in a position of leadership. With all the leaders, you need followers. With all of the heads of the body, you need hands. And you need fingers. And you need knees. And all the different parts of the bodies. Not everybody can have one certain gift. But God has worked the entire body fitly joined together for his purposes. This young man wasn't satisfied with just being the norm. I want to do more for God. Paul had already turned away from John Mark, and I think for kind of similar reasons, the opposite of Timothy. But he sees something in Timothy, and he asks Timothy to go with him. Verse number three, him would Paul have to go forth with him. So Timothy had proved himself to other saints. By the way, it's a wise practice that if we're going to send somebody out of our church and we should be actively, regularly doing that to preach the gospel, that there should be a consensus among our church members that, yeah, we do believe that young man, that young woman has been called. We do believe that. I and mean, we can evidence that in their life. It's not that a young man or young woman says, hey, I'm called to preach the gospel. And are like, you? You know, that, that's like, that's, that's almost as embarrassing as you or I witnessing to somebody and, they, and, the, and somebody that we've known for a while and they say, "I didn't know you were a Christian." And it's almost that same thing. That wasn't Timothy. Number three: Timothy was willing to sacrifice his comforts to share the gospel. This is Timothy, Timothy was not a man of Christian convenience. It says in Acts chapter 13, 16, verse 3, Him, Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Timothy was known. He was known in those quarters. They knew that his father was a Greek, meaning he was a mixed breed. And although in the eyes of God that didn't mean anything to the culture there, it did. And Timothy was willing to be circumcised, a very painful procedure. Kids, you can talk to your parents about what that is. But it's not something you would willingly want to go through, especially when you're aged. Timothy was willing to remove anything that would harm the effectiveness of the gospel coming from him. This is a young man that is way more dedicated than, well, if it works out, it works out. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll consider giving my life to sharing the gospel. I'll consider that, I mean... I don't know, what does it pay? You know? I mean, am I going to be able to get like a full time job? Is it uh, this or that? Not Timothy. He was going to remove anything that would, that would harm the gospel's effectiveness in his life. We see Paul had the same similar testimony in 1 Corinthians 10.23. He says, All things are lawful for me, Paul says, but all things are not expedient, they're not helpful. All things are lawful. In other words, not against the law for me to do a few things. But all things edify not. They don't, they don't build up. He says in verse 24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Here's one thing I do like about the King James Version is whenever there is a word that they just put in there, um, they italicize it. So if you've got a King James Version and the words italicize, that means that in word-for-word translation, not every language is equal. So they put some words in there, and the word wealth means well-being, so I just placed it in there for you. But he says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's well-being. What does that have to do with before? Well, Paul says before that, hey, there's some things that, you know, it's not against the rules for me to do it. There's not really a right or wrong, but they're just not helpful. You know what, it's not really um, that somebody told me I had to do it, but I want to do it. There's some things that maybe somebody has not given me the Ten Commandments against doing this, this, and that, but yet I know if I did it, it would be harmful to somebody. It wouldn't build somebody up. Timothy had that same attitude. Timothy said, you know what? I mean, it's not my fault that my dad's a Greek. It's not my fault that these people are basically racist. Not my fault, but I want them to hear the gospel. So even though this is a painful surgical procedure, I'll do it, because I want them to hear the truth. Think think of what what kind of a heart it took to make that kind of a decision. That was Timothy. He was not going to be just the norm. We see also that Timothy put himself with other godly men. And we say men or women, but Timothy was a man, okay, young man, so he put himself with men. Same thing goes for women. I'm so thankful for the emphasis we have with our women's ministry coming up this year, mentoring. we call it mentoring, discipling, whatever you want to call it. We as Christians are to bring other uh, believers underneath us. We're to be, yes, winning others to Christ, but then taking those and bringing them up in the faith. Just like Paul and Barnabas were doing, traveling back through these places, just like Paul is doing now with Timothy. And boy, he found a young man that wanted to go all the way. There was no struggle with this. Timothy put himself with other godly men willingly. In verse number four, he continues on. It says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Verse five, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Timothy jumps in with this this pair of men, Paul and Barnabas. And uh, I think actually Silas might have been in there too. But these godly men who were leading, he jumps in right along then. Can I say, that is so important. So important for us adults, us who are older in the faith, to be those men, to be those women that younger ones can come up underneath and spend time with. And so important for us to allow them to have that kind of access to us. And then young people, it's so important for you to look for those people. You know, it's fun to be with your friends, absolutely. But you honestly, you don't learn a whole lot from your friends other than, hey, did you hear that guy likes you? Yeah, You learn stuff like that, right? But life stuff, spiritual stuff, we need the adults. We need those who are more mature in the faith. We we need those who have come along and have experienced some opposition, who have grown in their love for the Lord through the thick and the thin, who have experience in their walk with God. We need to pursue that, young people. And adults, we need to be accessible for that as well. Timothy spent his time with these men. He took opportunity to be with those men who were, the Bible says, were risking their lives for the gospel. I mean, he didn't just pick a couple guys that said, Hey, I'm a Christian. I I go to church every Sunday. I'm sure they did. It was Saturday for them, but there's more. These, These men had quite the testimony. Acts chapter 15, here's their testimony. The Jerusalem council said about Paul and Barnabas and Silas, It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives, have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore also Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same thing by mouth. These were men with a reputation for putting it all on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes to get this message out there. They were hazarding. They were laying it down. Timothy saw these men and, yeah, he was asked because he already had a reputation. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity Timothy got and that he took to go with these men. As a result, we're about done here. As a result of following these men, Timothy experienced what it was like to follow God at every step. Think of the invaluable experience that Timothy had with these men, these men pouring into his life. Let me just share a little bit of the experiences just from Acts chapter 16 that Timothy received from being with these men. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse number 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So they're heading toward Asia. They're heading toward Asia to preach the word of God. I mean, what's wrong with that, right? But the Bible says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Well, I mean, is there somewhere I'm not supposed to witness? Well, according to this, yeah, not in Asia. Don't do it in Asia. Not, it's not talking about us, but specifically told Paul, don't preach the word in Asia. Verse number 7, as Timothy's tagging along here, After they were come to Mysia, they tried, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So they try another area well, let's go preach the gospel into Bithynia. Holy Spirit said no. Meanwhile, Timothy's walking through all of this with them. They planned this trip to Bithynia. God said no. Paul Paul and Silas didn't ask why. They just stopped. Then they find out why. Verse number eight. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, Prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Well, that's an interesting statement right there. What does Paul say? So Paul says they were going to go into Asia and preach the word. I mean, the Asians needed the word of God, right? The Holy Spirit said no. So they were going to go into Bithynia and preach the word. Timothy's tagging along for all of this. The Holy Spirit said no. So just think of, just stop right there, just think if they had said, well, this is a good thing, why not? I mean, what, I don't know, I kind of feel like I shouldn't go. I mean, man, they really need the gospel. I mean, it's good, let's just go, let's go do it. What if they disobeyed the Holy Spirit? What if they disobeyed the Lord's leadership? Then what we're about to read I don't, can't say that it never would have happened. God has his purposes. But Timothy wouldn't have been on Timothy got to see this whole thing. As they followed the Lord's leading, no, no. Ah, uh, Then God reveals to them why he said no twice. He sends them a vision of men in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Now Paul knew that's where we're supposed to go. Assuredly gathering that the Lord, verse 10, had called them to preach the gospel unto them. Did you know that these men realized what God was calling them to do because they, they had two no's in the process? With their own good intentions, they thought, no, oh, this would be a good idea. No. Oh, well, this would be a good idea. No. And they found out their true calling because they simply listened. They listened. Our goal, Timothy, come on, our goal is to get the gospel out here. This seems like a good place, let's go. No. Um, Okay, we're going to try over here in Bithynia. No. Okay, the Lord's not letting us do this. Here's Timothy watching this whole thing. Here's Timothy watching older Christians, older men in the Lord who are following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He is learning how to do this, what it sounds like and what it looks like. If they had not followed the Lord's leading... This is what they probably would have missed. And this for sure is what Timothy would have missed. In Acts chapter 13, it says, in ver- uh, sorry, Acts chapter 16. We're in 16. Just forget my numbers. We're in 16 the whole time. Acts chapter 16, they go, they answer this, uh, this vision of this man from Macedonia. They arrive in Philippi. Sound familiar? And on the Sabbath, verse 13 We went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down, we spake unto the women which resorted thither and a certain woman named Lydia, a of purple, the city of Thyatira which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened. To make a long story short, they go after a no and a no. They find out where God wants them to go. He wants them to go to Philippi. They go to Philippi. They get to Philippi, have no idea where to go. No churches are there. They go down by the riverside. There's a lady there, a lady who's been worshiping God, whose heart God had opened. But she clearly doesn't know what to do with this information. She doesn't know what to do with the fact that she knew there's a God, like many of the people in the world. Just enough enough knowledge of God to send them to hell, and they don't know what to do with it. And they're waiting for somebody to come and share with them what they need to do with it. And this lady was no different. She's a wealthy woman, a seller of purple. We we think, historically, that could be where the first church in Philippi was started, in this lady's home. This lady comes to Christ because Paul said, the Holy Spirit said, no, Paul obeyed. Holy Spirit said, no, Paul obeyed. Then God told him, yes, go to Philippi. And he obeyed again. And here's Timothy experiencing all of this with them. If they had not obeyed the Lord or listened to the Lord... No doubt Lydia might not have been saved. Maybe that first church in Philippi would not have been started at that time by then. If they had not obeyed the Lord, very possibly a slave girl would not have been set free. In verse number 16, it says in Philippi, is there still there, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by its soothsaying. And they followed her. Or, or, or these people were following Paul and, and this, this group that was with him. And this young lady is demon possessed. And Paul just got tired of the anguish that this young woman was under. And it says, Paul in verse 18 Paul being grieved turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And, he, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace into the rulers. Just a young slave girl, demon-possessed. If Paul hadn't listened to the Lord, he wouldn't have been there to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ on that young life. And Timothy would not have seen and experienced that as well. If Paul had not obeyed the Lord's leadership and Timothy had not accepted this invitation to travel with Paul to be with other men who were following the Lord, he would have also missed out on a very famous story that we know that happened in the very same chapter. A Roman jailer who now Paul and, uh, and Silas are in jail because of their preaching the word of God because they have gotten themselves, uh, they have taken away the income of this, this demon-possessed girl that she was providing to her, her masters or whoever they were. Now they're in jail and they're singing in prison. You know the story. uh, There's a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison are shaken. All the doors open up. Everyone's bands are loose. They're free. But they don't go anywhere. And the keeper of the prison, the jailer, he wakes out of his sleep. In verse 27, he draws out his sword. He's ready to kill himself, supposing that all the prisoners were gone. Paul cries out from the back corner with a loud voice. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he calls for a light. The, the guard does. He calls for a light. He springs in and comes trembling to Paul and Silas. And he brings them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And probably one of the first church members in Lydia's home, this house church. It's church at Philippi, which later we read about in the letter to the Philippians. Timothy he accepts this invitation to go with these men. These men who accepted the responsibility of training and mentoring a young Christian probably didn't have a whole lot of a father figure there, definitely not a believing father figure. They took over that role and that mantle in this young man's life and they trained him up in the ways of God. They trained him up not just, well, yeah, we can, we can have classes and all. This. No, no so much more than that. They taught this young man how to walk with God how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to obey when he says no, how to follow when he says yes. And Timothy got to watch all of this. All because of Timothy's desire to be more. Led him down this amazing, amazing path. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul is writing back to Timothy now, a pastor of this church, a young pastor. And he says, as I besought thee to a... To stay at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, Timothy is one of the youngest pastors that we see in the Bible. Now he is teaching others. He is taking what Paul and Silas and Barnabas had invested in his life, and he is now turned around and he is teaching others about the faith. He is now confronting falseness in the church. He is now uh, putting up elders and deacons and letting them know the qualifications. This was all just a young man who just happened to be there in Lystra when Paul comes through in the middle of that pagan culture. A young man who grandma and mom had shared the word of God. He had a knowledge of God. Probably didn't know really what to do with it. Paul comes through. No doubt this young man got saved. This young man came to faith in Christ by the time Paul came through the second time, this young man had now gained a reputation. He wasn't sitting around waiting for an opportunity. I'm going to live for Christ now. I don't need somebody to make me do it. Paul saw it in this young man. This, man, this young man wants to be more. I'm going to take him. I'm going to invest in him. And he does. And Timothy gets in with these two spiritual leaders and watches as they follow the leadership of the Spirit, as they live every day in obedience to the commands and the ways of our Lord. What a privilege because these men took that responsibility. Now, one of the youngest pastors we know of from an unlikely background, willing to do the uncomfortable, taking the opportunities that God places in his path, he wanted more. wanted more from God. And here we have Timothy. Let's just bow our head and close our eyes and Listen, I don't don't know who God had this in mind for tonight. I really don't. I would be totally guessing. But God put this on, on the docket tonight for a reason. What has God spoken to you about? You know, this was not just for young people. This was for all of us tonight. Because this mantle of privilege and responsibility to do something with what God has given us is a little bit different for all of us, depending on our age, depending on our experience with the Lord, how long we've been saved. But there's something that is required of each of us, if you're a follower of Christ. Young, old, It's really not the point. You know, we have, a, we have a wonderful youth group that comes together to study the Bible every Wednesday. As far as I know, they listen attentively on Sunday mornings. There's, you know, a relative uh, to very positive unity in the youth group. And that just doesn't happen on accident. Something happening there. We have a, we have a wealth, really, of older and mature Christians in our church who have been in the faith for years that have so much to offer and I wonder what we're doing with that. Granted, some of us don't know what to do with it. but I'm here to tell you from the testimony of Timothy that we need to start doing something with it. Each and every one of us. We need to become a church that is bringing up more uh, followers of Jesus Christ, that is discipling young believers, Those of us who are more mature in the faith are taking that maturity and that experience and are passing that on to future uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. We are sending out people, not just uh, keeping everybody in our town, but sending out people for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Sending out missionaries and pastors and teachers. You say, well, I don't know if I'm called. Well, do you have a desire? Do you have a desire to do that? So, start start moving forward and let God tell you no, just like Paul did. Lord, so grateful for your word, so grateful for the powerful testimonies of saints that have gone before. Lord, we understand tonight that Paul was a single man. Lord, the privilege and responsibility of that fact. Lord, the privilege of us who have families, Lord, that is our first mission field as we disciple our children we bring them up they, we allow them what a privilege to have them in our home there is no closer discipleship than that for them to see a genuine follower of jesus christ they see us at our best and at our worst god help us to see and feel the responsibility of that and the privilege but lord there's some of us who if we're honest we have space we have space in our schedules. We have space in our agenda that we could take somebody else on, and we should. Lord, there's some of us in here that are, that are young. We're, we're teenagers. We've been saved, Lord. We have a desire to follow you, but we really need somebody to come alongside of us and to help us, Lord. Would you give some teenagers tonight the courage? to seek that out, to, to seek out me or Pastor Bill and so we can help connect them with, with somebody, Lord. So that we can begin to raise up droves of followers of Jesus Christ out of this church. That we can be such a mighty resource to the kingdom of God, all coming from Eastside Baptist Church. Lord, I know you've placed us here and it's not so we can enjoy a nice auditorium. You placed us here to build your kingdom. Would you raise up kingdom builders out of this room? Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for the way you spoke to our hearts tonight and you laid all this out for us in the scriptures. In your name I ask, amen.